Good evening. Sorry for the delay. We're continuing the series of the Talmud today. I, th I believe it's number 12. Uh, we finished last week, uh, for those who were not here last week, about a woman that smelled, a pregnant woman that smelled uh, a smell of a, a, a barbecue meat on Yom Kippur in the day that you have to fast. And uh, you know, what is the procedure for her to try to prevent her from eating because if she doesn't eat, it could be a risk for the baby. It's, called, it's become pikuach nefesh. That's where we finished last week. We also spoke about the man and other subjects, the man that was falling from heaven. And we are still in Masechet Yuma. We're going to finish it in a few minutes. And then we start Masechet Sukkah, I believe. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the Gemara says, the students of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, they came to him and uh, uh, they, uh, that's where we finished last week. They asked him why the man falls once w w every day. Why not once a year? Once a year, a big pile of man, you have it, all year, you're not worried about I will have food, I will not have food, and finish. So the answer was if a father has five kids and one of them he gave enough money for the whole year, and the other ones he gives daily. Who is the father going to see every day? The one who needs his food. He gives him for the whole year. It's next time he sees his son will be next year, which means that's the analogy. What we learn from here, that if God would give us all the parnasah in the beginning of the year in Rosh Hashanah, next time we will remember him will be a day before the next Rosh Hashanah. Right? Oh, now I have to be nice, because tomorrow Hashem is writing to me my check, my annual check. When you need a daily, you count on it, you have relationship with your father, and that's the whole purpose here. Now, the Gemara continue. The Gemara gives us all kinds of advice, secrets about life. It's all divine. Don't, don't look for the logic in it. Not everything has logic. Same thing, a behaving of a woman, not always have logic. A woman that gave birth. You may think it's the happiest day of her life. She should be happy, she has a baby, you know. And the next thing you find out, she has a depression after delivery. Oh, depression, depression, she doesn't want to leave. God forbid some of them kill themselves or kill the baby. All kinds of things you hear. How can it be depression? <laughs> People will give their life to have a kid. You see, that's hormones, it's psychology, all kinds of things. Not everything has logic. Don't always look for logic. So the Gemara gives a, an example. Tanura Banan. There is some kind of a disease. It's a temporary disease. It's not a disease that can, a person can catch for years. It's something that can happen for a very short period of time. What is it? A person is anxious to eat nonstop. That's called bolmus. I don't know if there's a word for that in English. Psychological problem. He has to eat, eat, eat. He can die from it until he choke. But he must eat. So it's obviously it's a psychological problem. What do you do with a person like this? You make him eat honey, pure honey. You take honey and you make him eat. You don't have honey, sweets, things with sugar. That brings down the, the desire to eat, even though it's psychological, but still it makes, it balances the brain. That's it. The person slowly, slowly come back to normal. Why? Dvash, honey, 
And anything that is very sweet is energy for the eyes. Meirim enav shel adam. It makes the it makes the the vision of a person stronger and better. And obviously, it affects other things in his brain. Where do we find it in the Torah? Where? In Samuel, first you have Samuel A, Samuel B, Shmuel Aleph, Shmuel Bet. The first book of Samuel, chapter 14, there's a verse there. ki oru Here you can see that my eyes lit up, because I tasted from this honey. Direct connection in a divine book by the prophet, honey. If a person feels dizzy, his eyes is burning, uh, I don't know, maybe allergies, I don't know really what does it mean the eyes are not functioning. I'm not, we're not talking about somebody that needs glasses. You need glasses, you need glasses. What's the solution? Someone who needs glasses, either to have glasses, or they make cuts inside the eyes, inside the pupil of the eyes. That's what they do in a surgery with laser today. They make cuts. The eye becomes flat, which is not good. It has to be like a yamaka, you know, like a kippah. So once it becomes flat, the light of the sun, you know, reflects a little bit before, a few millimeters before the pupils of the eyes, and that makes everything blurry. By cutting the eye, it makes the eyes round again, and then it's precise. It comes exactly to the pupil of the eye, and everything becomes very bright. How did they find out? Accidentally. Someone had an accident, and a glass from the car cut his pupil. And the person that needed fake glasses, he couldn't see anything without glasses. And three weeks later, when they took out the bandages from his eyes, he saw in the eye that got cut, he saw perfectly fine. And then they started the research. They, they used to make the surgery with a diamond knife, special knife, manually. And then computer with a laser, the computer makes the cuts. That's how they fix eyes. In the time of the Gemara, you didn't need laser. You didn't need knives. The Gemara said that the uh, Rebbe, to correct his visions, one of the rabbis gave him a tube, a special tube with paste, whatever the ingredients of the paste, I don't know, but he told him, put it be under your, your head. When you go to sleep, put it in the back of your head, and in the morning when you wake up, you see your eye will become perfect, your vision. He went to sleep with not such perfect vision, got up in the morning, somehow it goes, it absorbed inside the brain, the head, and it cured the eyes. The eyes is a, it's a whole brilliant system, we know that, but you have to know that the eye, this eye starts right here, and this eye starts right here. So if you ever stand by the mirror and you block one eye, you see that the other eye will expand, become bigger. You see that both eyes are crossed together. It's a whole system, which means if you lose the power in one eye, the other eye becomes stronger. It's very interesting. And also, that's the reason why we put the tefillin right here. The Torah said between your eyes. Literally, between the eyes is on the nose. But obviously, when Moses came from the mountain, Hashem showed him that this is the place to put the eyes. Today, the science knows that this eye starts here, this is only the, the shades, you know, the shades that you have a window, you put the shades up and down, this is the eyelashes and closing and opening, that's only the tube, it's like a pipe that, uh, that it's like we're able to see, but really the system is right here, that's where the eyes are, that's why that feeling shouldn't be too big, some people make watermelon feeling, it's very big, size of a melon, 
that's on the eyes, not between the eyes. It has to be between the eyes. That's one proof why the tefillin shouldn't be so big. Then the Gemara continues, still in Masechet Yuma, someone who influenced the public to do good deeds, to give charity, to observe Sabbath, to eat kosher, to dress modesty, uh, you know, to, he brings them to learn Torah, he gives them CDs to listen, and he makes peace between him and his wife, and now the family is better, functioning better. Any kinds of helping others, getting closer to God and to the Torah, it's called mezakeh tarabim. Mezakeh comes from the word zchut. Zchut in English is merit. The merit, a person needs merit to deserve to get something, right? He needs special merit. So making the public, making a mitzvah, that means like sharing your merit with them, giving them something that they didn't have until now, and open up their eyes. What's your reward for doing it? Before I tell you, I just got three days ago, two days ago, Monday, Monday, two days ago, um, surprisingly, I got a thick envelope from Israel, from Rishon LeZion, by a young guy. His name is Liran, Israeli guy. Today, you know, usually people don't send you any more letters. Only on Rosh Hashanah you get some nice cards, thank you for what you do, whatever. But usually it's all email and telephones. That's really, get a thick, and, and uh, he wrote a whole letter that, you know, he searched in the internet and he found my uh, Torah and Science in Hebrew, four hours seminar DVD. The one that I have in English, I have one in, in, in Hebrew, and Bezrat Hashem in three weeks we'll have it in Russian. And you can give all the oldest people that don't speak English, they can go and there's many Russians in Israel that it can benefit them. So, uh, so he's, he found it and uh, he watched it and he decided that he has to do everything he can to make sure that every Jew in Israel will have at least a copy of this DVD. Because it's a whole seminar in one DVD. You know, for one dollar you can save a whole entire family or sometimes even more. We spoke about these things. So he was so excited and impressed, so he sent, he collected all the sources of all the rewards of the people who give, it, give other people great lessons to become religious. He collected from all the sources, from the Tanakh, from the Bible, from the prophets, from the Gemara, from the Zohar. Mamash sent me maybe 10 pages printed. Not that I didn't have it, I had it all in different slides inside the computer and in my notebook, but he did a good job. Apparently from his letter I found out that what he does with his friends is giving out CDs in Israel. He gets a bunch of CDs and they volunteer their time and they go and give them out to people, I guess on the streets, in schools. That's what he does. So here is what the Gemara says about it. Someone who influenced the public to become better, and chet ba'al yado. A sin does not come by his hand. There's two ways to understand what it says. One is that God saved him from making sins. He has special protection, which means his evil inclination is like everybody else convinced him to make sins. And he has extra siyata dishmaya, extra assistance from Hashem not to fall into the trap. What another person will be failing easy, easily by, a, you know, a, like a desire that he has or a temptation. 
this person has extra siyata dishmaya. That's one explanation. The other explanation is, en chet baal yado means since he's helping the public, since he's benefiting them and improving them, he will have a protection that no people will become worse because of him. Understand? En chet baal yado means no one will make sins because of him. We are not angels. You know, you can do a lot of good and once in a while you do bad. Let's say your friend wanted to go learn Torah and he said, ah, let's go to sleep, I'm tired, goodbye. Because of you, three hours of Torah learning did not take place. So that's making him, making, it's not a direct sin, but he's losing a mitzvah. So, which means this is the protection here, that somebody like this will have a protection that he will not do the opposite of what he normally does. That's it. Someone who makes the public make sins. Let's go to the bar. Let's go to the disco. What are you doing? You're keeping Shabbat. You're fanatic. What? What do you get by that? You're a young guy. When you be 60, you do it. It's not for you right now. Somebody like that, what's, his, what's going to happen to him? If one day he regrets and he wants to become religious, he has no assistance from God. Nothing whatsoever. He wants, Hashem say, get lost. I'm not interested in you. He's begging, he's kissing the Torah, he's trying to come to learn, falls asleep. Flat tired. Police pulled him over. I don't know, anything. He lost the direction. Who knows? Lots of resistance, obstacles that makes him not do tshuva. Now that it's not possible, it's still possible. But it's a million times harder. Why? All these years you took my children away from me. Now you want to come return to me and you think I'm going to make it easy for you? Measure for measure. What else? Now the Gemara analyzes what we just said. The Gemara says, why? What's the connection? If somebody makes other Jews become religious, why he has a protection that he won't make sins? What's the connection? You can make millions of mitzvot by making Jews religious, and you can still make sins on your own. It's not kosher, Shabbat, here and there. Uh, what's the contradiction? Nobody's perfect. Why you have extra protection? The answer, that in the end of his life, it does, is not, doesn't make sense that his students will go to heaven and he will end up in hell. It's disrespect for the Torah. All the students will say, he's the one who made us religious. He's our teacher. Look where he goes. And we went here. Well, you know, nobody is capable of understanding such an end. Our Rebbe goes to hell and we go to heaven. So Hashem is not interested in something like this. So the reward for this kind of act is special protection. Doesn't mean God is going to do the job for you. Still have a free choice. You still have to sweat a lot. But you have extra push, extra protection. Then, someone who makes them make sins for the opposite reason. If in the end of his life, one or two years before he dies, he makes tshuva, he makes repentance. And what happened in the end? He makes repentance. He goes to heaven, and, and his students, the, all the ones who made not religious and committed them to make sins, they go to hell, and he's ended up in heaven. So they're all going to say, where is the, where is the justice? This guy made me a goy the way I am. 
Because of him, I married Christine. Because of him, I'm addicted to drugs. Because of him, I'm a Chalel Shabbos. Because of him, I stole millions of dollars. Because of him, because of him, hundreds of people, thousands of people. And in the end, he's sitting in heaven with Moshe Rabbeinu and Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Yes, what kind of justice is that? That's why he will have to sweat extra, a lot, to make tshuva. So far, it makes sense. Then the Gemara continues. Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda, and Rabbi Yossi went to a motel on the way. People used to walk a lot in those days, either on donkeys, on horses, or by feet. And these people, you know, these rabbis, the Tanaim, they were the Tanas, so they saw a pundak. Pundak means a motel with a restaurant combined. You have a place to sleep and a place to eat, you pay some money and you continue tomorrow on your way. So they came, they saw the owner of the hotel was a guy, his name was Kidor. Now we're going to, to learn a little bit about the importance of the names of the people. The name, it's a source of energy. If you have a good name, you bring good luck to your life. If you have a negative name, then a lot of the things that happens to you come from the negative source of your name. It's a bad name, it, it brings bad energy to your life. So they ask him, what's your name? The guy say Kidor. What's Kidor? That was his name. But Kidor is also two words in a Pasuk, in a verse in a Torah. Kidor tahapuchod hema. Kidor, ki it's because, ki because. Dor, it's a generation. The verse says, because it's a generation of rebellions. Tahapuchod, they rebel against God. Such a negative verse in the Torah, this is a generation of people who rebel against God. So two words combined gives his name, the name of this guy, Kidor. Put it together, it becomes Kidor. So they ask him, what's your name? He say Kidor. So Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yehuda say Kidor, Kidor, what do we care? <laughs> but Rabbi Meir say, I'm not giving him my money, because remember, they need his safe. It wasn't like today, you come to the room, you have electronic safe, you, have, you put your code, different words. He has one safe in a place, and he's watching it. So they wanted to put their wallet by him, Rabbi Meir didn't trust him. He said, I don't like his name, I'm not giving him my money. Okay. The next day, in the morning, they come to him and say, okay, here is our number, give us the money. He said, what money? No, you never gave me anything, you're confused. Hey, oh, nothing, cannot get their money out of him. Rabbi Meir said, didn't I tell you his name is negative? Kidor, this is a person who does the opposite, like the Torah says. His name is bad energy. So what I can do now, Baruch Hashem, they're very smart people. They saw that his, his mustache, remember in the old days everyone had a beard, there's no gillette yet. So he had a, they had a mustache over there. So they saw that his mustache is dirty from bean soup. Dirty, you know, people that have mustache, usually they always have breadcrumbs or some dirt. When they drink or eat, they get dirty. It's hard to prevent it. So right away they knew, an hour ago, he ate bean soup, you know, with his wife. So they went out, they asked the kids, where this owner lives? They said, right there in this house. So they went to his wife, they knock on the door. 
Hello, Mrs. Kidor, yes. Your husband sent us to get the wallets from you. And he said that the, the proof that you will be sure that he is the one who sent us, you know, there's no telephone to call to find out. It's far away. So the proof that he really sent us to you is that you made him today bean soup for lunch. And he ate with you bean soup. So how do they know? That? You know? So she said, okay, hold on right now. She went, she got the two bags full of money. She gave it to them, said, okay. And later, the wicked person came back home. So she said, what a great idea you had to tell them about the bean soup. What are you talking about? What? What? Take a chair, he broke on her head, he killed her. Serious, true story, he killed her. Went so angry at her, he killed her. So the Gemara says, from here you learn about the importance of Maim Achronim. We have a custom, when we finish to eat, we do Maim Achronim. And some people, they take the Maim Achronim, they clean their beer with that. Or some people, according to Kabbalah, these Maim are very impure. It's better to dry the hand, not to touch anything with that. Not to walk over it. But anyway, because they didn't have this custom, this guy didn't have that custom to, to clean his fingers when they finished to eat, because people used to eat the bread with their hands. There was no forks like today. They used to take the bread, dip it in the salt, eat it with the food, like the Arabs eat until today, or the Indians in India or in uh, Uzbekistan. They sit on the floor, they eat with their hands. You know, the Chinese have two sticks. Everyone has their own customs, how they eat. People used to eat with their hands. The hands are dirty, you have to wash your hands. This guy didn't wash his hands and mouth. And the, the Gemara says, you see, my machronim murdered the person. If he was careful with his water, his wife would not get killed. So the Gemara wants to know which one is worse not to do. Not to wash your hands when you eat bread before or when you finished. So they bring this as a proof that my machronim is worse not to do. Because people don't pay attention to it so much. So they say Maim Rishonim, the Gemara brings that in the old days they used to have kosher and not kosher department. Right? You have kosher side, kosher kitchen, and non-kosher. So when a person comes to the restaurant to eat in those motels, everyone had hats in those days. Everyone had beards. Everyone was wearing long kilts. Not always it was easy to tell who's a Jew and who's not. How did the owner know who is a Jew and who's not? If he go, when the breads are always on the table, if he wash his hands, that means he's a Jew. If he doesn't wash his hands with a, with a netila, that means he's a goy. He sits right away and eats. So one time a Jew came and he didn't wash his hands and he started to eat the bread. So right away they thought he's a goy. They served him pork. And the end of the meal, they say, take his sidur and start saying Birkat Amazon. So the owner of the restaurant runs to him, I'm sorry, wow, I gave you pork to eat. What? Pork? Eh? Well, how did you do such a thing? I followed you, I saw you're not washing your hand. So the Gemara says, First water fed the Jew pork. Sin. Murder the person. There's an analogy. No, okay, we continue. Tanura Banan. We're still in Masechet Yoma. Five things applies to a dog that have rabies. It's a sickness. If a dog bites a person, the person gets this disease. It's a serious disease. Who invented the medicine for rabies? 
לואי פסטר. What was his real name? חיים. He was learning Torah, and his Rebbe, he saw this Gemara, and that gave him the idea how to invent the medicine. Two things he invented, became very famous scientists, and he both learned them from the Gemara. One thing he learned that if you pasteurize the milk in 80 degrees Celsius, it gets rid of all the germs. It doesn't need to be boiled 100%. 80 degrees, it's enough. And that's why the milk that you buy can last for a week or two. Normally, it would last a day maximum, you know, in a, in a weather. So it lasts because when they pasteurize it, same thing the grape juice that we buy. It can be a years on the shelf. How come? Grape juice, make grape juice from home. Come tomorrow, see how sour it is. Full of gas. You open the bottle, tss, like seltzer. Why? That's not pasteurized. All the grape juice that we buy is mevushal. They, they cook it. It's grape soup. That's what it really is. Same thing orange juice. All the orange juice that you buy, it's all pasteurized. Almost every liquid. So based in, is on his discovery. Listen what the Gemara says. Five things were said about a dog with rabies. His mouth is open. His saliva is dripping. See drops of saliva because his mouth and tongue is out. Drops falling constantly. Oznaf sruchot, his ears are down. Usually a healthy dog, his ears are up. Dogs that you see his ears are down, he has it. His tail is down. Tail usually go either up or straight. If the tail goes between his legs, that means that's one of the symptoms. And when he walk, he walk in the side of the road crooked. His front legs are on the right, his left legs his back legs on the left, crooked. He walks crooked, and also always his head towards the side of the road. If there's a fence or a wall, you see that he's like trying to get off the way. No, that's the five symptoms. And the Gemara say there is one more symptom. The Gemara adds another symptom, so it's all together six. When he bark, it's like someone blocking his mouth. The voice is very low. Compared to when he was healthy, it was very loud. Now it's like someone's blocking his mouth, and it's still barking, but you can hardly hear it. That's another sign. The Gemara say, also you should know that he has a bad spirit on him, like a demon or something, on, on that dog. Then, uh, you know... It's uh, also interesting because I saw once a Gemara that says that a person should never drink from the leftover of his friend in a glass. This is 2,000 years ago. But, but the Gemara say, what are we talking about? Lukewarm water. But hot water that were heated, the Gemara says, no problem if you drink the leftover, which means germs. The Gemara spoke about germs 2,000 years ago, clearly. Many things that the scientists Scientists took credit for, it's all in a Gemara. Then we continue. The Gemara says like this. Someone who make the sin of Chilul Hashem, disgrace the name of God. How a person can affect the reputation of God? Who are we to affect the reputation of God? I'll tell you a story. Yesterday my friend calls me up and he said, ah, 
I'm very disappointed for my brother. So what's the story with your brother? His brother came two years ago from Israel. He has another brother, three brothers living together, and they're all working in a restaurant business. And that brother that he's talking about became Baal Tshuva, became religious, and now he's continuing, he's slowly, slowly going down. Every week, so the last Shabbat he already violated. He's calling me to tell, to tell me how low his brother went that he already became a Halil Shabbat again. So I told him, how can it be? You know, he's, an, he's a nice person. How did it happen to him? So he said, ah, he's frustrated by the way the religious people are behaving here. Racism, disrespect, because they look at him that he's not dressed like an ultra-Orthodox person, wear jeans, a quarter yarmulke, no beard, not this. So they, they don't hold him as a real serious religious person, so they look down to him. And he got frustrated from that, so he used it as an excuse that he doesn't pay to become religious. So, he said, so I said, okay, I'm calling him right away. You can hear such a thing, you cannot ignore it. So I called him right away. Told him, well, I don't understand, what's the story here? So he told me, ah, you know, I said, well, I don't understand. Where does it say that the Torah is judged based on the behaving of the Jews? I never saw such a thing. Did ever God say to us to behave like an individual? Where does it say in the Torah? Even never, the Torah never told us, imitate Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, or imitate that individual. Never. The Torah gave you the laws. This is real. This is fake. This is recommended. This is not recommended. This is a reward. This is a punishment. This is the light. This is the darkness. Finished. I don't care what the people do. In the time of Abraham, nobody kept any mitzvah. They all worshipped the idols and the sun. And Abraham was a righteous person, one in the whole world. So I, I told him, I don't understand. You're using it as an excuse for you not to do because you have some arrogant people around you? First of all, there are plenty of righteous people that make all kinds of uh, good deeds and chesed. They help, they're honest, they, they, you know, they do so many things. Why don't you learn anything from them? The only thing you choose to do is to learn from the negative people. That's question number one. And question number two is, if everyone was negative, is that means that this is what God said to do? He said, no, no, of course not. I know they're wrong. It's not that. But I'm asking myself, here, this, now you understand why Chilul Hashem is the worst sin in Judaism. Now you're going to understand. I'm asking myself, if people like this with their beard and their hats and they pray all day and they learn Torah most of the day, they behave like this. What's the point of wasting time on learning Torah? You got it? What's going on here? That's called Chilul Hashem. Now you understand why it's worse than a murder. A murder, you go to hell and you finish with it one day. You get cleaned. Chilul Hashem, no, nothing. No, nothing can help you unless... If you made such a very serious tshuva, it's no, no, no joke, Chilul Hashem. So, I hope that I was able to save him. I hope. I gave him uh, maybe, I don't know, half an hour strong words of Musar. And in the end, I saw that he broke. He realized that it's all excuses. Hopefully, I told him one of the problems that you have, if a person doesn't set rules to learn Torah every day, he has no chance to be religious. Remember this. Don't ever think that you are different than all the rest of the Jews. If you do not learn Torah daily, 
You are 100% like a goy. 100% like a goy. And the goy can be better than you. Why? He may be born a better person than you. He's more honest. He's more polite. He can be more generous. can be a lot of skills that he has and you don't have. The only way you can be better than him if you are connected to the Torah, because the Torah influences your soul. You're not connected daily to the Torah, you are a goy. You start cheating, you're looking on the women on the street, you're not honest in your business, you don't have the strength to get up in the morning, every second word by you is a lie. One or two weeks you learn Torah serious, you cannot put your hands and steal. Your soul doesn't let you. Right away, you want to look at the women on the street? You're strong, you don't want to do it. Shabbat, you keep ten times better. Kosher, you're not so-so. You become real. You leave the yeshiva a week or two, you become Ahmed. 100%. And in case you don't be, agree with me, I don't need your agreement. This is what Hashem says. Disagree with Hashem, no, you lost case. What can I do? What can I do? That's it. Im ta'azveni yom. If you're going to leave me for one day, automatically I'm leaving you for two. Right? Ve'eketi otchem sheva al chatotechem. Parashat v'chukotai. Translation. Everything you do by disconnecting you yourself from me, I will do it seven times worse to you. Seven times worse. Seven times worse. Seven. This is what the Torah says. And many other examples. You feel the holiness right away. If you want to test it scientifically, here is the way to do it. You take a stingy person, very stingy person, and usually when you come to ask him for help, he gives you a dollar, if you're lucky. You make him sit in a lecture of strong Musar about tzedakah for one hour. Then you come to him, you get three dollars. In the days he did not learn, he still give you a dollar. You put him to listen to a tape, you come right when the tape is over, give you seven dollars. That's the power of the Torah. Same thing a cheater. Person that is a cheater, he cheat on his partner, he cheat on his wife, he cheat on his kids, he cheat. He's lying, deceiving, crooked. You make him listen two, three hours strong Torah for a day or two, a day or two, it will be perfect. He stops, he goes back to what he is, because that's his nature. It's very difficult to change nature. The Torah, remember, it's like an antibiotic. The infection is always growing. The antibiotic putting it down, as long as you take it. You don't take it, it begins to grow. You know, I tell you a story that happened. One Hasid in Israel bought a brand new car. A brand new car in Israel, it's like buying a house. So, you know how, how is the excitement when a person bought a brand new car for the first time in his life? So he bought it on Friday, it parked it on a street across the street from his building. Between learning, every five minutes he looks at the car. You know, he walks to shul, he looks at the car. He's thinking, wow, another six hours, Shabbos is over, I'm going to get a ride. I'll look for somebody to give him a ride. He doesn't look to give a ride. He wants to drive the car. He's looking for a reason. And the neighbor needs a ride. Oh, you need to go to Brooklyn? I'll take you. He's excited from the car. No. So the guy, Friday night, he comes on the way back from school. He looks at the car. It's beautiful. Shabbat morning, he gets up in the morning. He comes to the synagogue. The car disappeared. 
He went crazy, you know? Wow, how can it be? One day, I didn't drive it five miles. The car disappeared. If it's in Manhattan, they tow it. If it's in Israel, it's stolen. The Arabs come with a toll truck, they take the car, and hour later, it's in Gaza in pieces. That's it. One time they stole the BMW of Rabbi Ovadia. So the head of the Israeli Shabbat called Arafat Imachshimo and said, Yasser, I need a personal favor from you. This is the car of the rabbi. Half an hour later, they returned it. Yeah. They returned the car. Anyway, so now the Hasid see the car disappeared. The car disappeared. He said, it's all from Hashem. Hashem Natan, Hashem Lakach, Hashem Vorach. God gave, God took. May God be blessed. Mincha, an hour before Shabbat is over, he goes down again to the shul. Guess what? The car is there. I'm losing my mind. He comes. Yeah, that's my car. Here is my stuff there, my book. The car is there. Motzei Shabbat, he runs to the car, he goes open the car, he sees a note, a sticker on the wheel. Stuck in it. I stole your car today, but this tape that you have inside of this rabbi made me so scared. So I had to return the car to you. You owe to this rabbi. What was the tape? You should not steal. <laughs> 45 minutes of hell, hell, Gehenom is boiling about the punishments of the thief. He's driving and listening. You know, as soon as he started the car, the tape went on. He returned the car. <laughs> this is the power of the Torah. What else would help? Nothing will help. You know, so, Chilul Hashem, Remember, even Yom Kippur does not erase it. Suffering does not erase it. We do that we do every day, still does not erase it. Regretting it, being embarrassed about it, stop doing it for the rest of our life, still does not erase it. The day of the death, if you make tshuva, and Yom Kippur, and vidui, and, and embarrassment, and confessions, and everything, and you die, erase it. If you don't make tshuva, your lost case, finish. Mador the worst place in Gehenom. So, even tshuva has no power to make it pending. It's a lost case. Lo Yom Kippur, lo Yisurim, ela kulam tolim v'mitam emareket. The death, erase it finally. Then the Gemara continue, Define to me what's Chilul Hashem. Define. I just gave you many examples of Chilul Hashem. Let's see what the Gemara says. Amarav, this is all holy people that can revive the dead people with the Kabbalah knowledge. Make no mistake who are talking here. It's not the rabbi from across the street. This is holy people. If their name is mentioned in the Talmud, they are the top, 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 top holiness. He's speaking about himself. Kegon Ana. Chilul Hashem, I do, he says. I do. Why? I take meat from the butcher. And I don't pay always immediately. 
Sometimes I come the next day to pay him. Well, no, so what's the problem? The butcher agree, trust you, you're a holy man, no? You, know, you owe him a hundred bucks. You come the next day, give him a hundred bucks. What happened? He didn't sleep at night? It means to the top authority who I am, I'm a chief rabbi of a community, right away it gives him some kind of a negative thought about me. Look at him, he, pay. he has to come tomorrow to pay. Why, he can't pay now? Can't pay now? No. Even a drop of a second, it's already enough. Rabbi Yochanan say, no, 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 kegon ana, it's like me. That I walk sometimes four steps without my tefillin on. They used to walk all day with tefillin, all day. They walk with tefillin, they plow the ground with tefillin. They, they learn Torah with tefillin. Say, so sometimes I take it off and make few steps without it. That's already Chilul Hashem. If I walk three minutes on the street and somebody saw me without the tefillin, Right away, what does he think? What happened to this rabbi today? That he walks without his feeling. I told you once a, there was a religious person from Switzerland. His son has a butcher shop in Brooklyn. And you know, this person was in yeshiva in Switzerland all his life, in Lausanne. And he came for the summer to Brooklyn to be with the son for two months. As so he arrived to Brooklyn, two weeks later, he shaved his beard off and took his black half off and put a, no, a small kippah on and was standing in a butcher. One of the members of the community of Switzerland happened to walk into the store. He looked at, he, he didn't even recognize him, but the, the guy, the father of the butcher, he recognized the other guy. So he told him, ah, how are you? What happened to your beard? I saw you three weeks ago. What? Ah. So right away he called up the rabbi in Switzerland. Guess what? Your student of the last 20 years, two weeks in New York, became not religious. So, ah, how can it be? He's solid like a rock, this guy. I just saw him without a beard, without a hat. That's it. And give him another month, he's going to drive on Shabbat already. You know, people like to add oil to the fire. <laughs> Rabbi right away called him up. Call him to Brooklyn. He pick up the phone. He said, what do I hear about you? Chilul Hashem, you took off your beard. All your life you had beard. He said, Rabbi, I promise you it's the biggest mitzvah I made in my life by taking off the beard and my hat. Biggest mitzvah? He said, yeah, if you have two minutes patience, I'll explain to you. So I got here. I raised my sign to be a kosher person. I came to see his butcher business. I'm helping him in a counter. And I see that he's a shaky guy. He's not giving strictly glad kosher. He's cheating here, cheating there. You know, all kinds of tricks. Now all the rabbis and the Rashi Shivot of Brooklyn come to buy from him. They don't ask if he renew his certificate of kosher. They look at my beard and my hat, and then a guy like this, Ben Torah, you see, I know Torah, I look like a mensch. So right away, they don't ask. They tell me, give me from this, give me from that, and my heart is burning. I am the certificate. That's why I had to take off my beard and my hat and look like half Chiloni, half secular. Like this, they ask now, they're coming to us. Where is the certificate? What's the expiration date? Who is the mashgiach? Half of them don't buy. 
I see things is shaky. No, so I'm saving all the Jews from eating non-kosher food. The rabbi said, ah, Hashem bless you. Never believe that you convinced me. <laughs> so, that's Kiddush Hashem. But it's also Chilul Hashem. Because other people who walk by, ah, this guy had a beard yesterday and today is like this. It's a problem. So anyway, that's why I always tell the student who comes to the yeshiva, the new Baalei Tshuva, they get excited. They burn like a torch, like a fire. Especially the young one, 20, 21, 19. Right away, they want long peot, beard. I said to them, no, 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 no. Leave it, leave it. Come back in five years. Enough with this show-off. We're not interested in actors. We have plenty in Broadway. Over here, we want to purify your heart, not your cheeks. Leave the cheeks for later. No, no, I feel good. It makes me strong. What's the risk? Now he's full of fire. Six months later, he gets cold. In the beginning, Hashem helps a lot. He gives you a real serious push to show you the truth. Later on, you're dying off slowly, slowly. There's no more passion and excitement like in the beginning. And you may cut it off. It's much worse to grow and shave it off than never to do it. Why? That's, that's called Chilul Hashem. If you never grew a beard, it's not Chilul Hashem. People know that's the way you are. Ah, you grow a long beard and one day you cut it. Oh, wow, it's a very big Chilul Hashem. Oh, you see? He went to religion and now he saw that it's not for him and he dropped it. Ah, all the wicked people are happy. You see, we're not the only losers. Here, another one. That's Chilul Hashem. Besides, that a, a person that makes himself such a long beard and he doesn't know two laws from the Siddur, he hardly read Hebrew, he hardly read Rashi, he doesn't know one page in a Gemara. People think he's a rabbi. I see here in the community plenty of rabbis, right? Because their beard sweep the floor when they walk. Free broom. You know, rabbi, rabbi, they kiss his hand, give me brachot. You give him Siddur, instead of holding the Siddur like this, he holds it like this. He has a long beard. Why? First, correct yourself from inside. First, make yourself good foundation. Work on your integrity, on your honesty, on your laziness, on your anger, on your stinginess. Build yourself up in a Torah, another page, and another page, and another page, and another law, and another law. Start slowly, slowly changing your lifestyle, your clothing. All the nonsense every week, change a new bracelet and a new watch and tons of gel in his hair. Get rid of all this negative. Then you worry about your peot and your, and your beard and other things. Then you worry about it. Build yourself up in a correct way. When you make a building without solid foundation, you rush, it collapses. It doesn't last. This is it. So the Torah continues. So it says... Like me, I walk four steps without a tefillin. Then it says like this. The Torah says like this. Abaye says, Abaye. Before Abaye, Rabbi Anai says, What's Chilul Hashem? A Jew that his friends are embarrassed of him. Embarrassed of him. I know a person, became Baal Tshuva, keep mitzvot, but it's not honest. He never corrected his honesty. 
He has honesty problems. Every job he takes, they dump him. It takes time to realize that he's a crook, and they get rid of him. They get rid of him. Every two, three months, you hear he got rid of him this job, they got rid of him here, they got rid of him there. Everybody finds him. It just takes time. It got to a point that yesterday I called up somebody and I asked him a question about that person. As soon as he heard his name, you saw right away he lost his entire excitement and a conversation. So I told him what happened. He said, ah, don't mention this guy's name to me. I'm disgusted from him. Why? Everywhere he go, he cheat this guy, he steal from this guy, he trick this guy, he trick that. I asked him to do me a favor. He went, he wanted to steal the job from me. So that guy's reputation is finished. Not only in the secular world, in the religious world. You know how many years he's going to have to sweat to clean his reputation? It's going to affect his children, his poor wife. He has a righteous wife, nice woman. It's very difficult to correct. To ruin your name, it can be a week. Everybody knows who you are. Finished. Now go and clean your name. To destroy the twins, towers, it took seven minutes. Flying, explosion, it fell down. To build it, it's already taking ten years. They didn't even start. To build takes a long time. To ruin, easy. Why God made it like this? Why Hashem didn't make the world that to destroy the building takes just as much as to build it? Another brick fell. Slow motion. Another brick fell. Another brick fell. Then the, the, the structure starting to bend down. And sl it's slow motion. It falls. You see? Oh, we have, we have time. Next month it's going to fall on my head. Falling slowly. Why? Why? To show you that in life, in a spiritual life, is exactly like this. To build its massive work and lots of efforts. To lose everything in a minute. It's enough you say, God, I regret all the mitzvot I kept. It's nonsense. You lost everything. Finished. One sentence. I wish I wouldn't be religious. You lost everything. I wish I wouldn't give this yeshiva all this zakah. You lost all your reward. <laughs> how, how much you swear to give them thousands and thousands. One sentence. It's all gone. You understand? That's exactly the same thing. So it says like this. People are embarrassed when they hear his name. No, that's Chilul Hashem, obviously. What? That's Rabbi Anai. What Abaye says, the Torah says, You should love your God. What does it mean you should love your God? That everybody who sees you fall in love with God. When people saw the Rambam, Jews and non-Jews, right away they fell in love with God. <laughs> what a legendary person. Perfect person. They couldn't believe. Wow. When people saw the Moroccan Muslims, they saw the Ora Chaim in Morocco, they were standing like soldiers. Kissing is killed. The graves of the holy Moroccan Jews in Morocco, they all have fancy tombs and fans. The king sponsored the cleaning of the area. Even the Goim recognized their holiness. If you are 100%, if you're half enough, no. A guy knows how to recognize. I tell you, I give you an example. There was one, uh, one uh, I forgot his name, I say that story a year ago. One Ashkenazi Jew in Europe, you know the night that the Nazis burned all the synagogues and all the Jewish stones in the home? There was Lel Abdollah in Hebrew, it's called. The horrible night, before they started to butcher all the Jews, there was one night that in the morning everything was burned. 
So one person had, there was, a st- there was a street over there that is all candy stores, chocolates, Swiss chocolate, Dutch chocolate, chocolate from Belgium, top chocolate. They sell sugar, they sell candy, they sell all kinds of sweets. The whole street is full of Jewish stores that they all sell candies and all kinds of, you know, nice thing, cakes, cookies. In the morning, all the Jews came to the street and all the stores were burned. One of them, he came, you see, store is perfectly fine. The door is there, not burned, everything is inside, all the merchandise, everything. Is that, wow, such a miracle? Every store is burned! In every side of the street, this store in the middle of the block, nobody touched. Hashem made me such a miracle? He opened up the store, all the customers who came, they need sugar, they need coffee, whatever, they need basic things. He's the only store in town now. So his son told him, Abba, now it's your chance to become a millionaire. Triple the prices, no competition. So he said to him, aren't you ashamed of yourself? You want me to benefit from the suffer of my brothers? From that you want me to become rich? How can I look at God's face when I go up there? You took advantage on the miserable people who lost everything they had. Now they come to buy sugar, you make it triple? So, okay. So now it's 11 o'clock in the morning. You see a jeep with a Nazi soldier comes. He walks inside. Oh... Maybe I was happy too, too fast. What happened now? So the Nazi comes to him, take off his hat, he whispers something in his ear. You remember me? He looks at him, yeah, you look familiar. I used to be your delivery guy. Remember I used to sell you sugar from that company? I used to be truck driver? Oh yeah, I became a Nazi soldier, police soldier. I want you to know, all night I didn't sleep for you. So why? I was standing from last night, 9 o'clock, until early in the morning, watching your door with my gun. He said, why? I saw what they do to the other store. Right away I ran. I said, everyone who came to burn your store, I said, no, that's my business. You don't touch it. Nobody touch your store. You know why I did it for you? Because every time I made deliveries to this block, Every store I brought the heavy boxes, all the other Jews who own the businesses, say, put it there, put it there. They did me a favor that they say hi to me. Not to think about coming and helping me. You're the only one who every time you saw my truck, you ran like a servant. Pick up the boxes, brought it in, gave me cold water, made me tea, spoke to me nicely. I felt I cannot let them touch your store. I was standing here watching your store all night. You understand what it means? That people see the way you are, they fall in love with God. The, the Nazi monster protected his... He went to murder many other Jews, that soldier. Don't feel good for him. You know? But even that monster felt an obligation to keep the, the house of... The, 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 the store of that... Uh, of that. I tell you, you know... If a person is perfect, even his enemies like him. In the end, they surrender. Birzot Hashem Ish Gamo Ivav Yashlimimo. Now, let's see what else. The Gemara continues. The Gemara says, Adam Koreveshone. What's called 
קידוש השם, How you make people love the Torah and God, הוא משמש תלמידי חכמים, a person has to learn a lot of Torah, he's becoming educated, he's full of knowledge, he's serving his rabbis, great manners, he helped them, he takes them around, you know. ודיבורו בנחת עם הבריות, always is nice when he talk to people, never raise his voice, always respectful. When he makes business, he's straight 100%, no deceiving, no tricks, no nothing. And what's the public I have to say about him? אשרי פלוני שלמד תורה, blessed he, this one that learned so much Torah that made him such a great person. Blessed his father that put him in yeshiva to learn Torah. Blessed his rabbi that taught him so beautifully. Oy, to those people who never learn. Do you see the guy who learns Torah, how nice he behaves? And cetera, and cetera, and cetera. And this is what the prophet Isaiah said, Yeshaya 49. Israel, asher bechait pa'ar, God say, you are my servant. I'm proud of you. A king that have a faithful servant, it makes the king very proud. Look what a servant. Psh. You know, one, uh, one king told his army that he's showing up tomorrow at five o'clock to check the base. So all the soldiers, no, not tomorrow, in three weeks. He gave them X amount of time, grace period. They clean the base, they change the windows, psh, they, make, they paint. They make the military base like heaven. No. Tomorrow at five o'clock, the king will show up. They check all their uniforms, everything is ironed. Five o'clock, they get a phone call. The king is running late. It was a very hot day. Since they worked very hard, they were sweating. So one soldier has an idea, hey, we have 20 minutes to, to swim a little bit in the lake. Let's take a refreshment, you know? So all of them took their clothes off, they put it nicely on the grass, they jump, they swim. All of a sudden, one messenger ran, what are you doing? The king is on the, in five minutes, will be in the base. You have to stand online to wait. Quickly, they come out, towers, right away, they get dressed. One of them is slow, you know, the slow people always until they move. I had one like this in my base when I was a soldier. Everybody wanted to kill him. Why? The way the army is designed is not for righteous people, only for wicked people. Righteous people cannot survive in the army. Why? They make the army a non-pleasant place, which means if you have 40 soldiers in your group, if one of them is a failure, which means he's not strong physically, he's not as fast, uh, you cannot do all the athletic things that they want you to do. Every, they make everybody suffer because of him. So automatically everyone hates him. They tell you, you have to run to the mountain in 20 seconds. You go all the way up to the tree there, everyone has to bring me a leaf from the tree. 20 seconds, move! Everyone runs, you know, 100 degrees, very humid. Everyone runs like crazy, they put heavy things on your back. You bring them a leaf, up oh, one guy, poor guy, he made it in 22 seconds. Now everyone has to do it again because of Itzik. And again, and again, and sometimes at 2 o'clock at night, 3 o'clock, they torture you. In the end, poor guy, you want to kill him. We had one guy like this, and everybody was torturing him. Forget it, the poor guy, no, nobody, nobody could even look at him. They, they hated him so much. 
So one time they decided that they're going to glue his feet with crazy glue, the real Israeli thick crazy glue, you know, the wood glue that it looks like a gum. So they, they take, in the middle of the night, it was all a setup. They, they pick up his blanket, one guy has to bring the glue, they put it in, and they pull it like this, and that's, they cannot open his legs anymore. Like this, it stays for three weeks. <laughs> Guess what? When they pick up the blanket, they found out he has six toes in each leg. From one, two coming out, two heads, two nails. So one, one guy said, oh, now we understand why you walk like a robot. This guy is disabled. He's not supposed to be a soldier, Michlal. But his embarrassment, not to complain when they joined him into the army, he was hiding that. He came through this whole physical suffering not to get one minute of embarrassment. This is what the Torah said, that the punishment in the next life is the embarrassment, not the physical fire. The embarrassment. Once we found out, we told the commander, a week or two later, they dismissed him. He got, he got the embarrassment in the end. At least everybody understood why the poor guy walked like a robot and get everybody angry. So the king said to the soldier, I'm coming. Now they announced the king is there. One soldier is slow. He doesn't have six toes, but he's slow. So he came to the misdar. How do you say misdar when all the soldiers have to stand like this and they, they check one by one? Lineup. Line they came to the lineup late. His, his buttons are not buttoned up. His jacket is one sleeve in, one not. He's holding one shoe and he stands like this. Everyone stands like this. Nice. So the king walks one soldier to the other. He sees holding a shoe, his buttons, <laughs> shirt out. Right away, the king focused on him. He said to him, you have the nerve? After three weeks that I gave you an announcement to prepare to show up like this to the lineup? So the guy said to him, your majesty, you have all the reason in the world to get angry at me. But I tell you the truth, when they surprised us, first they told us you're running late, and then all of a sudden they say you're here in five minutes, I wasn't ready. But I had two choices. One is to run away and hide forever from the embarrassment. And second, since I'm a faithful soldier that's ready to serve his boss always, no matter what the circumstances, to show up like this, to get the yelling, to get the punishment, to get the embarrassment as long as I'm always ready to serve you. No matter in what condition I am, I'm ready for your order. <laughs> no, the king took him, kissed him on the head. Everyone got jealous. Why didn't I come like this? <laughs> they promoted him. The king said, that's the soldiers I'm looking for. He didn't care to get on his head. As long as he show up to the king, I'm ready for your order. This is what Hashem says to us. I know you're not perfect. I know who you are. But are you ready? You want to change? You want to correct? Okay, come, your hands are not so clean. No, I know, I know what you do, I know. But you're ready to give your life. That's what we say in Shema Israel every day. I want to tell you something that happened to me yesterday. This story worth for you, not a billion dollars. It was worth it for you to come to this world to see this story of Ashgacha. 
השגחה means supervision of Hashem. I come up in the afternoon, I get home, I see my wife standing in the kitchen with the phone and the credit card in her hand. We usually never order things with a credit card on the phone, so it looks to me strange. I ask her, what are you doing? So she said, we ran out of checks. I have to order new checks. So I said, where are you ordering it from? She said, from the same place we ordered three years ago. So I said, how much the checks are? I mean, how many checks? She said, 375 checks. I said, that's it. It's not enough. You know, every month you send 20, 30 checks. It will run quickly. She said, that's what they're offering. How much? $83. I said, $83? It's 20 cents a check almost. What is this, gold? Five, four dollar, blank checks, pieces of paper. Where are we living here? Didn't make sense to me. I say, hang up, hang up. Let me research quickly. I come to the Google. I put printing checks. I don't do a search. You don't have to believe me. You can do it tonight. Thousands of numbers and telephone numbers of companies, of individuals who offer to print checks for you. Oh, so many telephone numbers. And all of them, lowest price, lowest price. You know how it is. So I'm thinking to myself, what am I going, I'm going to waste my day to try to save $30, $40. So I say to myself, oh, you know what? With Emunah in Hashem, let me pick up a number. I see 1877. It's an 800 number, toll free. So let me see this company. I clicked on that company. Beautiful website open up. It's showing you all kinds of checks. 600 check, 37.95. Okay, 38 dollars is a quarter of a price from the other company, a quarter. I say, okay. Now, I don't have patience to start typing all the numbers, these. So I like to hand, handle it with talking. I pick up the phone, I dial this toll-free number. For sales, press one, I press one. Listen good to this story, you never heard such a story. One, a person pick up the phone, an American guy, who picks up the phone. Hello, yes. I see that you're advertising these checks. I say, okay, yes. What? I say, okay, is that include shipping or you have separate charge for shipping? He say, no, shipping is separately, but we don't charge for rush delivery. If you give me the order now, it will, the box would leave out today and no extra charge. So I said, okay, so how much is the shipping? I said, probably that's the catch. Now it's going to tell me $20 shipping. Same thing. So he told me, depend where you are. I told him, Muncie, New York. <laughs> so he said to me, where in Muncie? <laughs> where in Muncie? <laughs> I told him, High View Corner of Nelson. He said, oh, so no, no delivery charge. Just come tonight to the shiur of Rav Schlesinger and I'll bring you the box. <laughs> it's next door to me. I have a beautiful fancy shul, the main shul of Muncie, right next door to me. So come to the shiur at 8.30 tonight, and I'll bring you the box. <laughs> so I said to him, oh, really? What's your name? Yedidia, you'll never learn how to say his last name. It's the hardest name you ever heard. An Ashkenazi guy. Yedidia, it's his Hebrew name. So I said, so you live in Monsi? He said, yes. I said, where do you live in Monsi? He said, Bates Drive. I said, oh. I used to live in Bates Rye. I used to rent a house there before I moved to where I am now. Where in Bates Rye? <laughs> where I used to live. Thousands of numbers. Thousands 
of number, I said, let's pick this one up. Press one, I got to him. Where do you want it? Here, okay, I'll bring it to you to the shul. Where do you live? Where I used to live. No, something like this can happen by itself. Ah, no, what do you have to say? You ever heard such a story? The interesting thing is just when my hands were shaking and my heart was coming out from the excitement of this miracle that I see in front of my eyes, that guy is like cold as eyes. Like he didn't see any miracle. Also, like this, also, just come tonight to the shear of Rav Schlesinger and I'll bring you the box. No shipping charge. <laughs> like nothing happened. Then I realized he doesn't understand how I found him. He probably think maybe I got his number from a friend and he told me about him. And, but I found him in the, war, the, the most bizarre way that you can find a person. Accidentally, from thousands of numbers, he picked up on a guy that lives where I used to live. <laughs> That's it. So you see Ashgacha. Why is Hashem showing us things like this sometimes? Why did I benefit? I saved $20. That's not a miracle here. The miracle is that Hashem showed, this is, this is what I once told you before, that when the brother sold Joseph to Egypt, to the Arabs, so the Torah said that usually Arabs always carry oil. They do it today, they did it 3,500 years ago. The Arabs have oil, that's the black gold. So Arabs, when they walk with their camels, they have barrels of oil, that's what they carry. So the Torah, specifically highlight that this time they were not carrying oil, gasoline oil, they carry perfume. So it's beautiful smell. Why? Hashem didn't want Yosef to suffer more. So he made this time the Arabs come with perfume. It was the supervision of God. So I want to ask you, who cares now? Your life is ended. You are 17 years old. Your brother throw you to a pit with snakes and scorpions. You're there. Arabs come pick you up. They buy you for 20 pennies, the size of a pair of shoes. That's what it was. They take you to the filthiest country in the world, right to the heart of San Francisco over there. And they take you over there to Egypt. You're going to become a slave of somebody without your family, no telephone, you will never find them again. That's it. You understand, you'll never see your father, you'll never see your mother, you'll never see your brother. You'll be in a foreign, foreign country by yourself, a slave, and you'd finished. You care now if it's gasoline or if it's perfume? Ah, thank you very much. Ah, beautiful. What's the name of this perfume that everyone likes? Ah, the 10 hours that it took me to get to Egypt, I smell nice flower perfume. You think that that's what Yosef cared? You, you give a person a death penalty and you tell him, no, but don't worry, where you kill you, it's going to be a good smell that day. It's like, it's like, it's like making fun at a, at a dead person. So what's the point? Nah, of course Hashem knows he doesn't care about the perfume or the gas. It's to signal to him, don't worry, it's a part of the plan, I didn't leave you. Everything is calculated. Even when you think your life is over, you lost your job, you're unemployed, your marriage didn't go through, 
everything got cancelled last minute, the doctors just call you that you have, God forbid, to come to an urgent uh, MRI, everything in one day, and you think, that's it, maybe I just take a gun and kill myself. A month later, you find out your life is paradise. You know, yeah, Hashem, Hashem can bring you up, can bring you down, just when you, have no, you don't even have a hope, everything can turn around. We finish with this, what we started. So the Torah says like this, Speaking, concluding this subject, the Torah says like this, to give respect to the wicked people, it's not a good thing. If you see a rich, wicked person, come, Mr. X, sit, have, sit here, sit on the stage, give him the best chair, you give him aliyah, you know, when he speaks, shh, you know. You know, all the time, or when he's speaking shul in the middle of the davening, so the Gabba is afraid of him, Mr. You know, please. But when he comes to the poor guy, shh, I'll throw you out of here. When he comes to this guy, sir, you know. That's what the Torah, Hashem doesn't like this. It's called Hanfanut. How you say Hanfanut in English? Up. Huh? Up. No, kissing up, I think. Kissing up. Kissing up to the wicked people. No. The Torah says, Lot of Laim It's not good, not only for you. For him, it's not good that people respect him because he's wicked. Because for the respect that he's getting, he has a separate punishment. Because respect for the wicked people, it's the most delicious food. Can't live without it. Rabbi Benzion Abba Shaul wrote in his book and a, a great proof, great. He said, look at these people that sit in a Mizrach in a shul. You know, in most fancy shul, they have the front by the rabbis where everyone facing, they put the important people to sit in a Mizrach, like in a VIP. So sometimes a stranger accidentally came to that shul. He's here on, in a neighborhood on Shabbat. He's looking for a place to sit. He found only a place in a Mizrach is open. He sits there, hoping the guy won't show up. But then the rich people usually come to the Birkat Kohanim, they show up. You know, so he comes in with his talit like this. His eyes are coming out. You see a guy sitting in my chair with a $50 suit, contaminate my chair. So get up, you chatsuf. Why you don't ask? Go sit over there. Go, don't come here anymore. Now everyone in the shoe laughs at him. Look at this guy. This is mental. He cares about the chair? Sit over there! He cared. Okay, one time you don't sit in a VIP. Big deal. Every week the same story. Everyone laughs at them and they can't stop from this habit. Can't live without the honor. They can't. You kill me. I can't. My life without honor. One guy said, you know, the Torah said that if you run away from the honor, the honor will follow you one way or the other. Don't worry. So one guy came to the rabbi. Rabbi, it's not true. You know how I many years I ran away from respect and from honor? I don't see the honor is following me. Look at me. I'm not, no honor, no respect, no nothing. The rabbi say, yeah, you know how you run away from the respect? You walk like this. Where are you? Where are you? You run away from the respect. You cannot make two steps without turning around to see if it comes. <laughs> so... 
The Torah says like this, לא טוב לו אחאב שנשא הקדוש ברוך הוא לא פנים בעולם הזה. אחאב was a wicked king. wicked king. But Hashem respected him. Why? Because in his time people were united. They were winning the war. Plus, plus, one very important incident happened in the life of Achav. Two more minutes and we finish. That Hashem said to the Prophet, Didn't you see that Achav surrendered to me? God said to the Prophet. Because of that, that when you gave him Musar, when you spoke to him words of ethic, and you corrected him, he did not argue back. He surrendered that moment. For that, the tragedies will not come to his generation. Where does it say it? Mishlei Yudchet, King Solomon. Remember, Mishlei 18. Le'atot tzadik b'mishpat. Tov la'em la'tzadikim. It's good for the righteous people. שלא נשא להם הקדוש ברוך הוא פנים בעולם הזה. That Hashem didn't give them too much respect and honor in this world. He keeps it for them for the life of eternity, not here. אשרם למשה ולאהרון, לקי משה אין אהרון, that הקדוש ברוך הוא did not give them more than what they deserved in this world. Where, how do we know it? That Hashem got upset at משה and אהרון and he yelled at them. Yan Kiloemantembi, you did not believe in me strongly. I told you to speak to the rock, you hit the rock and, and a few other minor incidents. For that they did not enter the Holy Land. Hashem didn't give up. Strictly, judge them strictly, with anger. Why? The most righteous people in a history, this is how you behave? Why not a little bit kiss up to them? Give them some, you know, extra credit. What's the problem? No, no. The time for that will come. If you had strong faith in me, you wouldn't die. You would continue to stay around. How, right, how lucky are the righteous people. Not only that they have a huge merit for themselves, they benefit their children and grandchildren until the end of all time. Until the end of all time. You understand what, what we're talking here about? Not how bad is for the wicked people. Not only that they made themselves guilty and lose everything, they make their children and grandchildren suffer until the end of time. What do you think? Many of us suffer because of the sins of our grandparents. What? Yeah, that's very clear. is a goy. From Zera Shel Ham, the son of Ham, grandson of Noah. Many of his of children deserve to be holy Jews and convert like the slave Tabi. Tabi was the servant of Rabban Gamliel, the president of Israel. He had a slave from Canaan, a goy slave. One time they had nine people and they needed a ten person for Minyan. They wanted to take a Sefer Torah and do Kedushah. He released his slave and made him convert and made him the ten person to the minyan and Tabi knew Torah like the Tanaim. That's how smart he was because he was attached to Rabban Gamliel all his life. All day he hears Torah, this guy. He knows Torah like the Tanaim. 
אלא שחובת אביהם גרמה להם. Only Tavi had the merit from all the millions of Knaanim to get to this level. Why all the other smart goyim from that nation didn't get what this slave got? Because of the wickedness, wickedness of their father. This is it. You know, how much a person can pay and suffer for what his parents did, it's affecting him until the end of time. Someone who say, Rabbi, I know the truth. Don't have to teach me. But now I'm young. I have a plan. I have to finish college. Then I want to work 15 years as a doctor to become a millionaire. Then I want to move to Beverly Hills. Then when I retired and play golf, I promise you every day I come to your daf yomi shiur for one hour, I put filin, everything will be fine. He's already sure he's going to make it to 65, going to be a millionaire. He has plans. Rabbi, what do you think? I don't know the truth. Just patience. Huh? Poco, poco. Slowly, slowly. Rabbi. Why are you so anxious? You're too strict. No, no, no. I don't like pressure. Please. So, okay, you don't like pressure. So the Torah, let's see what the Torah has to say about you. I'm going to make my sins today. But isn't the Torah said that when you make tshuva, you become righteous, you make repentance, everything will be erased? Leave it to me. I'll take care of it one day. The Torah says, No, my friend. When you die to make repentance, to make tshuva, who's going to stop you, Hashem? Not interested in you. Not interested. I told you, I, have, I, have, I can make a whole book just about people I spoke to. And when they made up their mind that now it's the time to do it, they died. Told you once the story about this guy, Arnon, with the seminar? No? After three times he promised he comes to the weekend seminar in hotel. Every time he stood me up. I wait there until a minute before Shabbat, eating my heart. This guy is lying again and again. Third time, he said, I give you my word. He has earring ear, tattoos, hair, pink, red. All kinds of colors, look like a zombie. And he says, I promise you, you see, tomorrow I'm going to be there. Don't worry, I give you my word. I say to myself, no, can I rely on his word? He gave me his word. For, I have two words of him hanging on my wall from the, from the other two seminars. Anyway, I, 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 I want to believe him. A minute before Shabbat, where is Arnon? He's not coming. Call up his cell phone, nothing. It was maybe six years, seven years ago in a seminar. Motzei Shabbat, Saturday night, tragedy in a seminar. Arnon was found sitting on a couch, dead, 19 or 20 years old. Dead, with a bag full of clothes ready to come to the seminar. Died, 19, 20 years old. Hashem said, oh, I waited for you, another chance, another chance. Now you want 20 years old, too late. You don't know how many chances you're going to get. Another guy, uh, Eli Mizrahi, 45 years old, working in Mount, Mount Sinai car service in Borough Park. Not religious. Have a black Goya girlfriend, non-Jewish, black woman, lives with him in the house together, boyfriend and girlfriend. We have a guy in, in Monsi, his name is Sharon Khali. He used to run the office of shofar of Rabbi Amnon Yitzchak when they were doing activities here in New York. He was the manager there. So he's calling people to become religious all day. That's his job. This is his project, Eli Mizrahi. Eli, come to Monsi for Shabbat. 
Yeah, 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 every week the same story. Then he comes to me Saturday, uh, Thursday night, Thursday evening in yeshiva. I make myself tea in a tea room. He comes to me, he comes to the little room. Guess what? He wants to come tomorrow. You ready to accept him for Shabbat? I, the truth, I wasn't so ready, but to miss such an opportunity, I said, okay, okay, tell him to come. I call him up Friday, you sure he's coming? What's his number? He's coming. Yeah, 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 he's coming. I spoke to him and confirmed he's soon leaving Borough Park. He's coming. Shabbat started. The rest of the guests come. He didn't come. So maybe he lost the address. It's too late. I cannot call him now. I go to shul, come back. No, he didn't show up. Sunday, we found out that he was at the door with his bag. When this girl saw that he's leaving her and goes to a place of religious people in Monsi, she took a knife and stuck it in his heart and murdered him. It was all over the news a few years ago. With his bag. Now, you know, if he would come to me for Shabbat, that's it. Next Sunday, I will get him out of there. She probably saw where it's going to. Whatever, they had an argument over something. It ended up, she murdered him. Died without making tshuva. Another three, four hours. If he would die Sunday, if she would stand him, stab him Sunday, it's a whole different story. After he came, kept Shabbat, has, we speak, you know, when I speak, I speak. It's like a, I butcher him. I, I get him up. I wake him up from his illusions. So by Sunday, after what he went through on Shabbat, she'd stab him. He comes tzaddik. Oh, Hashem, I met Shabbat. Look, I kept Shabbat. I, I, I regret what I did. I'm embarrassed. At least it's a partial tshuva. Shem said, no, it's too late. So here, this is, this is a very sensitive issue here. I will make sins, and later I'll make tshuva. I'll make sins, later I'll make tshuva. Shem said, don't be so sure. And this is what the Rambam said, the worst punishment for a Jew is that sogrim befanav edaltot tshuva. That Hashem lack the gates of repentance in his face. I waited too long for you, I'm sorry. Which means, no assistant, do it on your own. And to do it alone, it's impossible, almost impossible. So grim befanav, no siyata dishmaya, no help. Shem said, I waited for you too long. Now it's too late. Too late. So grim befanav. Ah, but I want! 15 chances you had. This seminar, this CD, this. One of the reasons that the converts, after they become Jewish, they suffer all their life, almost all of them with no, ex with no exception. The Gemara says, Kashim Gerim Kesapachat Israel. The converts, it's like a cancer in the skin of the nation of Israel. Why? Because they suffer so much, so it's like a group, a minority among the majority that constantly suffers, needs attention. It's not so easy. Why is it? Why? Because Hashem has a claim against them. What took you so long? What, you a fool? You didn't see the truth? What's going on in this world? You didn't search for me? He didn't know the original book is the Torah that I gave to the Jews in Mount Sinai in front of millions of witnesses and all the rest is nonsense. Stories of Belonis. He came, he walked on water, he rise from his grave. Beloni, my grandfather fly. He fly from Iran to Iraq, and he landed on the moon. Yeah, come and believe me. Solid proof, millions of people hear the voice of God speaking to Moshe. You didn't run to check? So now, 
in order for me to make you pure righteous person, I have to pay you for the delay. One other explanation the Gemara gives, because these converts, when they become religious, when they become Jews, most of them, if they're serious, they become very high-level Jews. They keep everything. They didn't give up all their fancy schmancy life to come to be a fake Jew, you know. If I do it, I do it for the truth, no? So I have to, and they sacrifice a lot. That makes the religious Jew look pale compared to them. Hashem comes to the Jews and says, look at this convert. He came from Poland, he came from here, he came from Honolulu. You know, look, from Zimbabwe he came. He became a million times better than you. What reason? You grew up in Israel. You know Hebrew. Your parents were here. Your grandfather was a rabbi. You went to yeshiva. You learned in school. You did this. And he came from Zimbabwe, from the mountain of darkness, and became ten times more religious than you? Oh, you have a big problem. What are you going to answer? Huh? Nothing to answer. That's why the Torah said not only converts. Baalei tshuva. People who made repentance are considered higher than religious from birth. How can it be? This guy never made sin. All his life kept Shabbat. This guy is only 40 years old he started. How you compare? The difficulties that he has every time he keeps a mitzvah makes every mitzvah a million times better than the other one. That it's already grew up into it like a robot. It's a system. It's not so difficult for him. Lucky the nation of Israel. Who are you purified by? By the creator of the world, your father in heaven. As the prophet Ezekiel, Yechezkel, 36, says, I'm throwing pure water on you and purify you from all your sins and all your dirt. Mikveh Israel, the mikveh, mikveh, the pure water, of the nation of Israel is God that purified every Jew just by him being a Jew. Ma mikveh metaeret atmeim. How a mikveh purified the impure people once they go into the water and take a goy and make him into a Jew. Hocus pocus. She went in Maria, she came out Miriam. Very amazing. Look at the power of this water. If it's going to be in a pool in Hilton Hotel, million times she go in Maria, she still come Maria, thousand, thousand times Maria. That's what's going to happen. It's not going to make her Miriam. One time in a mikveh or rainwater or spring water, purify everything. So, Afa Kadosh Baruch Hu metaer at Ab Israel, at the nation of Israel. Okay, we finished here. Baruch Hashem. We finish today Masechet Yoma. Next week we start with Masechet Sukkah. A lot of interesting learning from there. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.